0: Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden.
1: And I'm Rob Olson. The book we're gonna be talking about tonight is Every Time We Meet at the Dairy Queen, your whole fucking face explodes by Carlton Mellick the well, Third. All right, let's before we go into talking <laughs> yes. about the author <laughs> I would just like to say that I
0: have read, I'm sure, at least fifteen hundred books in my lifetime. And I have seen the titles of at least ten thousand others. This yeah. is the best book title. I have ever seen.
1: It really is. It's uh it's a great title. Great cover. Anybody who's familiar with Carlton Mellick's work will know that uh typically he has excellent cover art and um title and cover so wonderfully fitting the story. Um just is an excellent job. Yeah, I really felt that with, with this cover that I, I feel like the
0: person had to have read the book that did the cover. Yeah. I don't know if that's really the case, but I did feel that it really can. And the cover's adorable. It's, it's, it, yeah. it's adorable.
1: Well, I think I read something once or heard something, or maybe I imagined. Um, Carlton saying something about his process for his book covers having to do with he conceives of um, something, and he I think he has the same um, artist or artists that do his cover art, and he gives them an idea, and then they, based on how he describes it, um, put the book cover together so I don't know if they actually necessarily read it but it's definitely something that was born out of his initial creativity and that's obvious
0: the covers are all, I don't want to say all but uh, quite a few of them that I'm familiar with are very very similar in style so yeah I have to imagine there's only a handful of people that, that work on his covers or that they are able to imitate a style very well I don't know, one of the,
1: one of the two I guess <laughs> um, So before we get into talking about the book I'm going to read the Bio that we pulled off of Amazon, and then I might talk to Olivia a little bit about that. Carlton Melick III is the Wonderland Book Award winning author of over 45 novels, including Quicksand House, which uh, incidentally we reviewed on this podcast, BioMelt, Cuddly Holocaust, and Warrior Wolf Women of the Wasteland, among others. In 2013, he was named one of the top 20 science fiction writers under the age of 40 by The Guardian UK. Which is pretty much an awesome thing to to get, especially, yeah, that's just crazy. So anyway, his work has appeared in the year's best fantasy and horror, the, the best bizarro fiction of the decade, and Vice Magazine, another big get, if you ask me, and has been tr- translated into Italian, German, Russian, Spanish, Polish, French, and Japanese. Now here's the part where I think Livius might be uh, heading over to Portland to... Uh, Hang out with his new best friend. He lives in Portland, Oregon, where he obsesses over comic books, microbrews, video games, and K-pop dance routines. Visit him online at com. K-pop no, dance routines, Livius. I don't... I'm not into K-pop. You're not into K-pop? How could you no. not be into K-pop?
0: So, I, I like... I like... I've started really liking K-dramas, so I'm. <laughs> I'm well into... Watching my second one. I've tried a bunch that didn't really grab me, but yeah, currently "Boys Before Flowers" is is my is my jam pretty much on a on a nightly basis. But um, which Korean TV shows come up in this book? Which was was kind of nice. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't do much dancing, and, and I haven't listened to K-pop, but you know now, now I feel like I should. So maybe I'll throw some K-pop on. I mean, I I do like oh uh, what the hell are they called? Baby metal, which is kind of K-pop mixed with heavy metal.
1: Is that the one with the dude that cross-dresses?
0: No, no. This is like three teenage girls, and it all starts mm. off like pretty heavy, melodic, heavy metal, yeah. but then they, they kick in with those little voices and some K-pop music. It's If you haven't heard it, it's a must-listen. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? The cross-dressing Korean guy? No. No, no, no. It's idea. not a
1: cross-dressing Korean guy. Um Oh, this bears putting the the podcast on pause so I can search this, because this is going to change your life. Lady Beard, I think. Let's see. Is that it? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, my God. (laughs) Are you looking for this?
0: Yeah, Lady Beard. A cross-dressing wrestler and death
1: metal artist?
0: Yeah. All right. There's got to be a song or something, right? I mean, this isn't just...
1: (sighs) He's got an official channel on YouTube. Oh my god.
0: Lady Beard YouTube. Here we come. I I don't right offhand, I don't know that this is my
1: thing. I think I honestly think this is gonna be somewhat up your alley. Even though he's wearing women's clothing. (laughs) I think that you're gonna find some. I think you're gonna find something you like here.
0: I um I turned down the sound. Is this I mean, this is, the, he's a white guy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But he, but he's speaking, what I'm guessing is exclusively Korean.
1: Yeah, and you know what? This looks more like a video blog than where you yeah, can watch I, his I music I, videos. Yeah, I think I found something.
0: Hold on. This is, he looks like a model. He's taking off his sunglasses. <laughs> this is, I know you're going to have to, this is going to probably have to be heavily edited because there's a lot of silence of me trying to figure out what exactly I'm watching. Now this guy, you'd think he would have more subscribers because he's weird enough. He only has twenty three thousand subscribers. That's only like twenty three thousand more than we do.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's about well twenty two thousand <laughs> yeah. nine hundred and something. Yeah,
0: and, and we're not cross dressing or, or anything yet. Or um, all right, this is no showery, which you, which you do know I'm a huge fan of Oh well, Yeah, work. yeah, of course. Um, and and it's definitely not up to the the K drama. You know that I've been watching, but uh, I will definitely look into this. Lady Beard has been bookmarked for further for further consumption at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, you should definitely check out Lady Beard. If there's anybody out there who is already somehow a fan of Lady Beard and can suggest some of the kind of like greatest hits to start out with, um, let us know. I was there's a couple there's a couple people I know at work that are weird. And um just a couple. Yeah, one of them was just watching Lady Beard music videos and I have to give it to him. The thing that really drew me in, the music is good. Like not music that I care for, but I recognize the quality of the music. Mm-hmm. The dancing, like their dance routines are fucking spot on, because it's like him and then like three little Asian girls. And they do like full choreography during their songs, and it's amazing. So despite uh-huh. the fact that your brain is like trying to reject it in some way. They actually do like a good job. <laughs> totally going to spend the rest of my evening <laughs> doing some
0: further research into this, and I'll hopefully have some feedback on our next episode.
1: Yeah, check back next episode for Livius's review of Lady Beard. That's right. That's what we're reviewing. So. I think. I think that's actually our next episode, Lady Beard. <laughs> All right. So that is um, a hijacked uh, bio of Carlton Malik the Third. Lady Beard at the end. Just where you want it.
0: Here's here is the synopsis for the book we're actually reviewing, Lady Beard. Um, every time we meet at the Dairy Queen, your whole fucking face explodes. Ethan is in love with the weird girl in school, the one with the twitchy eyes and the spiders in her hair, the one who can't sit still for even a minute and speaks in an odd, squeaky voice, the one they call Spiderweb. Although she scares all the other kids in school, Ethan thinks Spiderweb is the cutest, sweetest, most perfect girl in the world. But there's a problem. Whenever they go on a date at the Dairy Queen, her whole fucking face explodes. He's not sure why it happens. She just gets so excited, the pressure builds under her skin. Then her face bursts, spraying meat and gore across the room, her eyeballs and lips landing in his strawberry sundae. At first, Ethan believes he can deal with his girlfriend's face exploding condition. But the more he gets to know her, the weirder her condition turns out to be. And, as their relationship gets serious, Ethan realizes that the only way to make it work is to become just as strange as she is.
1: Um, yeah, I just want to go right to wrap-ups? Yeah, what yeah. else is there to say <laughs> about this book, right? I mean, it's, it pretty we, well covers it. We probably owe at least a little bit of explanation. um, Because... I think sometimes with, um, bizarro books that I've read the synopsis for, it sounds weirder than the actual story ends up being, you know, for the sake of that's kind of the fun, interesting stuff from the book. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you could disagree. (laughs) I'm just waiting to hear how this is less strange than the synopsis. I mean, when you boil it down, like it's a, it's a, it's a boy with a crush and he wants to date this girl and... There's just a lot of weird shit that happens, like faces exploding, but really, it's a it's like a cute little love story about uh, teenagers. It's like uh, your first kind of puppy love. Yes. Yes, it is. But and not with actual puppies. I want to say that because it's a Bizarro book. And you never know, right? Right. It could be puppies.
0: Did we just, did we just stereotype Bizarro books as mm-hmm. perhaps involving bestiality? Well,
1: I, I mean, could, I was implying puppies that were in love with other puppies.
0: Oh, and, okay. Well, interesting yeah. that
1: that's where your mind went. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I guess it is.
0: Um, yeah, so uh, Rob's right. It starts off with with the the um I, I seem to remember reading um when we were reading Quicksand House, kinda having maybe the same feeling that that Carlton can do youngsters really well. In in that cutesy kind of way. I don't know that a thirteen year old would appreciate the the representation of youngsters. But as an adult looking back, it, it's done very well, I think. And Um, Ethan likes this girl, um, named Jill and, uh, winds up, you know, sitting next to her on the bus a lot and stuff. And and he develops a crush. I I mean, that's like,
1: (laughs) so yeah. And to emphasize, like, um, I I think what Livius, what you're saying with how uh, Carlton writes young. Well, um, the whole beginning, like the first chapter or two is just him explaining that he, despite all of her weirdnesses is really has a crush. It's, it's a crush. He's got a crush on this girl. And even though they never talk, um, he when he's on the bus, he's always kind of kept to himself kind of anyway. He keeps his backpack on the seat next to him until she gets on the bus, and then he moves it so she can sit next to him. So even though they never talk to each other or make eye contact or anything, they get into this routine where they sit next to each other on the bus every day. And if anybody's ever been a teenager, which hopefully everybody listening to this has, because otherwise it means you're a child and that's just negligent, um, that is very significant. It actually means something. It's not just someone sitting next to you on the bus. It's like the beginning of a relationship. And there's such like reality to the way that he wrote it that right away you just really like this really goofy, weird love story that's, uh, that's starting to build in the beginning. Did you ever take a bus to school, Rob? Yes, it was normal size before you started getting into any kind of weird slurs, and I'm sure that you were uh, building up in your mind. I never took a bus to school. You, I was listening, you probably wa- lived close enough, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, and Chicago public schools didn't have buses. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, so <laughs> I did go to a private school, but that was like three blocks away. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't even know if there was a bus. And then I did go to a Chicago public school from 5th through uh through high school, I guess. And yeah, no no buses in Chicago. But um, maybe that's where I missed out. Maybe I could have uh, dated a girl whose face would explode every time we went to the Dairy Queen. But um, <laughs> I was listening to you talk about like the significance of sitting on the bus next to somebody and I was like, I, I, I never had that. Now I feel like I missed out on something Dude, in my childhood.
1: That's why you're such a weird person and such a formative... Because like, the, I mean, that was real... That was real stress back in the day is like... If you didn't have someone good to sit next to you, there was always the threat that some like really undesirable person would sit next to you and that and if you ended up sitting next to some loser, then you kind of were a loser by you know association just by sitting next to them. Even if it wasn't your choice if it was like the last seat on the bus, you'd have to give it up. But you were sitting next to the loser, so you were the loser. It was uh it was a reality, it was pretty serious stuff, man. It was like prison basically. <laughs> Do you think any of those kids on the bus knew they were the loser, though? Um, yeah, the loser knows who they are. They okay. absolutely do. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you for explaining
0: like, elementary
1: school transportation <laughs> to me, because this is all a very foreign concept. So. Dude, kids always know if they're the loser. Adults don't. But kids always know.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I don't yeah. think I was the loser. Maybe I was the loser.
1: Well, if you never had the feeling that you were the loser, most likely you were not the loser.
0: All right. That's fair. <laughs> There's probably someone who went to my elementary school listening, going, "This guy was totally the fucking loser. <laughs> Everyone knew he was the loser.
1: How does he not know he's the loser?" If you went to uh, any of the any of Livius's K through twelve schools and you <laughs> find that he was the loser, if that's your memory of the situation, email us, bookedpodcast at gmail.com, and um, we'll try and get you on the show.
0: Oh, oh, listen, TX Noir. TX Noir, if you're listening, you've already <laughs> gotten your gift card because I just remembered I had to do that. So that'll be done before this episode goes up. Sorry to throw us off track. God
1: damn it. I was looking for that outgoing email in the outbox like two days after the podcast posted, the episode, and I didn't see it. And I was like, that lazy bitch.
0: I wish you would have shot me a text. At any rate, by the time you're hearing this, you've already got it. TX Noir. Right. So what I say was like Teddy L, uh, uh, Xavier. Something. I you were, you're
1: the loser on the bus, man. Let's just get was, back to this.
0: I'm the loser on this podcast, apparently. <laughs> so Ethan, um, you know, clearly likes this girl and and he comes to understand that she likes him. Um, and and they start doing like the cute little dating thing where, you know, they sit together or they're holding hands or they sit next to each other in the cafeteria in the lunchroom, that kind of thing. But there's a there's there's a rumor going around. So we, we referred to her as Jill and it says in the synopsis that they call her spiderweb. And the reason is because there have been an abnormal amount of spiders seen on her person um, through school, which then makes her the really creepy kid that nobody wants to be around, right? Because what could be worse than just being a loser is a loser covered in spiders. Am I correct? Would that have gone over big on your bus um, excursions?
1: There's, yeah, there's a few things that are worse than having bugs on you, I think. Um, so, yeah, having, being associated with spiders in general, especially as a girl, um not a good that was a bad mark. Yep. So um she
0: has earned herself the nickname around the school Spider Web. But Ethan still doesn't care because he's got this little cute girl that, that's interested in him and they uh they make plans to go out for ice cream and that's where shit starts getting really weird.
1: Yeah. They um they go to the Dairy Queen. Like you do when you're kids. Alright, so when they go to the Dairy Queen the first time, if I remember correctly, there's no, like, intimacy. She's just super excited. Like, she's smiling because she's happy to be with him. And um, that was enough, right? And she mm-hmm. just starts kind of, like, boiling over. Like, her skin gets yep. all weird. And then, boom, her face literally explodes. So there's, like, muck and gore all over the uh, the Dairy Queen and all over him and everything. And she runs away embarrassed. Yep. Now, here's what I love about Bizarro books. <laughs> first
0: it's the only place something like this can happen b it's that ethan's kind of freaked out by it i stress the word kind of freaked out by it yeah like i I think if that would actually happen to me as an adult right now there'd probably be therapy and some kind of catatonic state that i would go in you know from from having this happen before me but ethan's kind of freaked out about it and doesn't really know what to do so he you know goes home and you know, whatever, and goes to school the next day and gets on the bus, and she's on the bus. Yeah. Only her face is kind of like a patchwork of, like, kind of different skin tones and maybe some different colors of skin, because someone clearly has tried to put her back together.
1: Yeah, and she doesn't seem to be in pain, um, other than being horribly embarrassed that her face exploded uh, on her date. Um, so, everything's seeming to be normal. Ethan, who... And this is this is how you know he truly cares. Um, he starts getting pressure from friends that he has about being weird that he's dating uh, Spiderweb, and he ignores his friends and eventually kind of loses his friends to um, his love, his his growing love for Spiderweb. So um, as he continues to ignore the. Uh, social pressures from his classmates um he becomes more and more alienated from them and more and more entwined with uh with Jill Spiderweb and so a little bit of bullying ends up starting to ramp up too on him and on well kind of on her but mostly on him
0: right so then we're introduced to the the kind of antagonist of the book um if, if there is one other than the face explosions uh, Mark Henny, who's a bully, who has kind of his own... So everybody in this school seems to be pretty normal. Now, maybe there are a million stories in this school. We're only seeing two. Um, but we've got Spiderweb with the exploding face and the spiders. And then you've got Mark Henney, who has... Some, what is? Do you remember what he calls them? His, his, his wobblies? I think he calls them his wobblies. Yeah. Which are, like, kind of tumorous growths that can become larger on command or maybe when they're titillated or
1: they're when they're excited when they're excited yeah so
0: there's a pretty terrible scene in in the in the bathroom where basically mark henny is is going to force ethan to suck his wobblies which appear on his chest and and stomach
1: yeah it's pretty rapey but in a bullying it's more in a bullying way than in a sexual way it's always about power Apparently. That's why I was a terrible bully, because I just never wanted to be that close to people. To, yeah, no kidding. You know, <laughs>
0: so touch so really, s- story-wise, um, you, you kind of have it. Um, we, we see Spiderweb's condition um, continue to, I don't even want to say it deteriorates, it, it just continues to, to progress, I guess. Um, we're introduced to Steven and Sarah, who are uh, Spiderweb's uh, spider mother and father. Um, and, and we kind of go from there and, and of course you know, like like any good love story, it, it you know there's some you know, there's kind of a climax and then there's you know, you know the the rest of the story. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> I don't, don't know that there's anything else we
1: should be talking about. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Like um, there I, I, yeah, we don't want to spoil anything else, but all the weird stuff that um, we've talked about gets explained. So it's not just that that she's got an exploding face and there's never an explanation for it. The story completes the explanation of it. And that encompasses pretty much all the weirdness into kind of a tight package. And the cool thing I like about it is it explains it in a way that no matter how weird or like, um, I don't want to say horrifying, but like just like, uh, <laughs> things are you get it and you're like, OK, I, I feel it, it makes you more comfortable with this situation than I think that you would expect to be.
0: Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think you you've said that very succinctly. I, I think that the 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 reveal, so to speak, is 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 fair and kind of puts it all into perspective for you Yeah. Um, as far as not saying that it's really horrific or anything. I don't know, man, there are some passages in this in this story that are. Ugh. full on yeah. <laughs> my my favorite, and I guess I didn't look at your and I'm not doing this as a quote because I don't even know if I had it marked, but there's just one part where he talks about how the blood is drying on her skull as she's like talking to him. yeah <laughs> like just just this picture of just skull with like drying blood is yeah uh,
1: yikes. yeah, for anybody with a vivid imagination. This is going to be. There's going to be some stomach-turning moments, but overall, it's just like so quaint and cute the whole way. Like it's really kind of a cuteness overload mixed in with this weird. I was actually texting with um, Brayden Cameron, A.K.A. Skip pa- Skip Papersley, about this book, and I was telling him that it had a very Joey Camo, Bible camp bloodbath kind of feel to it, like with the the cute cuteness yeah mixed in with like the weird gore so or what was the name what was the name the re-release name the summer is over and we are not yet saved yes well yeah so i
0: I do have to yeah i do have to uh i do have to agree with you that it did have a very similar similar feel yeah
1: so joey camo fans would probably enjoy this Maybe I think, lots, I think lots of different people would enjoy this. <laughs> Who wouldn't I, enjoy this, really? Well, no, there are some people that
0: this I think would. So I know we're, we're probably about to go on to quotes, right?
1: Yeah, I've got my quotes all
0: lined up. All right, so let me let me read the, the first one I have, which is really um, not a quote for the sake of, of how quotable it is. But this is, uh, uh, I'll just go into it. But there's a big problem. Every time we go on a date, her face explodes. I don't know how it happens. I don't understand what can possibly cause such a thing to occur. She just seems to get so excited the pressure builds behind her skin. Her cheeks boil, her forehead bubbles, steam sifts through her lips and nostrils, then her whole fucking face explodes. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Blood and chunks of flesh splattered against me, getting in my mouth and all over my clothes. Her lips stuck in my hair like two wads of chewing gum. Her nose dropped into her lap. One of her eyeballs landed in my strawberry sundae. There might be
1: some people that's not for. (laughs) I'll give you that. I will give you that. So I'm going to start out with my quote. Um... Uh, I'm going to start off with this one, and I'll double back to another one that I think was before that, but that's okay. Uh, we just sit there, waiting, holding hands, blood dripping down our faces, our hearts fluttering in our chests. It wasn't what I expected our first kiss to be like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's it. It's cute. Listen.
1: It's, it's the cutest gore you're going to find, I think. That's,
0: that's very true. Um, again, I, I get the feeling that most of my quotes and, and maybe some of yours are going to, to, to overlap in, in being about the exact same thing, which is a exploding face. Um, <clears throat> kissing Tiff Shipley was scary, but not nearly as much as kissing Spiderweb, partially because I actually love Spiderweb and have been waiting all year to kiss her and don't want to mess it up, but also because her face will very likely explode. It's like kissing a ticking time bomb.
1: Man, this is all solid gold, man. Yeah, that's, that's love for you. Man. <laughs> that's, that's love. Like, I'm gonna kiss her, but her face might explode. And then, um, yeah, I just like this one too. And I, I some of these quotes I just pulled down just so that, as part of the review, you could kind of see what the tone of the book was. And this is one of those. Um, just how like uh, how little some of these extreme situations kind of register in the reality of this book it wasn't that she was in pain or disgusted by her new sewn together face she was just embarrassed and ashamed of herself for exploding in front of me which is really great because there's probably a lot of like allegory in here and we're oh gonna yeah dissect
0: this for, for what it yeah psychologically played. we could probably pull this apart if we wanted to yeah, so um I, I just realized my other two quotes were, were both very spoilery, so I, I think I'm just gonna let you finish this uh this section out.
1: All right. Um more on the um more on the serious side of the book. Um I thought this quote was good and it just worked so well, even though it was kind of a heavy-handed topic. Or just like a heavy topic in general, not heavy-handed, excuse me. Does he think of girls as helpless subhumans who can't handle the world without a man by their side? This man worries me even more so than his daughter's exploding face. It's like right on go feminism or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, toward the beginning of the book, here's a quick quote. I've got two more um, that I thought just was nice. And it was because it was at the beginning. It was just like, Oh, this is how it's going to be ever since then. There's a big rumor going around that she's in love with spiders and wears them like accessories. This is good writing. I thought that whole spider thing was a really nice touch, too. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't necessary for the... Honestly, there was plenty of stuff going on in the story. I didn't need to add the spider thing, but it was definitely cool. And I, this shouldn't be too spoilery. This is um, a, a clever use of of Spiderweb's exploding face. Uh, there's a fight in the bathroom between uh, Ethan and Mark Henney that spiderweb kind of comes in the middle of and she tries to come to um, Ethan's aid before I know what is going on I feel something in my pants I look down spiderweb's hand is inside my underwear caressing my penis everyone in the room sees it wondering what the hell she is doing she grabs my hand and pulls it under her shirt wrapping my fingers around her tiny breast I have no idea what she's doing until I see her face bubbling weaponized arousal right there buddy Good stuff right there. (laughs) Yeah. This is good stuff. Uh, that's all I've got for quotes. I mean, it's one of those books where like, there's a lot of stuff you could quote just for like this and like how sensational or out of, out of, out of this world it is. But I mean, that's kind of the type of book you sign up for. So I was just going for the, the real standout moments. All right. Are we ready to wrap this one up then? Yeah. I'm going to invite you to get that started.
0: I am going to get that started. Um, this book is adorable. Um, I'm sure there are other cute, bizarro books out there. I, I really haven't run into one that, that I think I would call, you know, adorable before anything else. But uh, this is definitely it. I don't think we've mentioned just how short this is. This book is um, it's listed out at 120 pages. Um, there's some promo stuff at the back. So the, the story's got to be right around 100 pages, um, which puts it in really kind of novella length, I think. So it's a super quick read. Um, that being said, this is a book I think I'm actually going to seek out from my bookshelf. So as much for its title as for its cover art, um, it, you know, it, it touches on that that young love and, and the kind of things you're willing to do for your first love and, and that you're, you're willing to put up with. But it, it also tells a story that's weird enough to, to make it. I don't know, kind of bounce around a little bit, so it's not, you know, we we I could we could read a young adult novel, I guess, about young love and and kind of come up with the same concepts that are in here, but this is done in a way that's interesting enough to to keep you going. Um, I don't know, what, what do you say about this? Like a hundred page book is is kind of a little below my. My level of books that I, I seek out myself, because um, like I said, it falls kind of in the short story category. But this is so adorable. I, I, it probably needs to be on my bookshelf as a physical book. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was it was a it was a fun afternoon of reading. So I will uh, I will give it four point two five
1: stars. In the in the tradition of Bizarro, you should have given it like like seven turkey sandwiches or something like that. Well, I wish I would have thought of that. Yeah, I'm not going to. You still to. got a chance. No, I'm not going to because I, 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 ruined it. Now I could have just I could edit it out and just do it like I didn't tell you that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, despite knowing of Carlton Mellick and being pretty familiar with Bizarro, only read one of his one other of his books, and that was definitely more in the bizarre realm than this one is. But like I said uh, a minute ago, I mean, this is really just a cute little boy and girl have a crush on each other blossoming into a love story that just happens to have some weird elements involved in it. It's obvious that like, um, and even if you read the, I think if you read the the prologue or whatever, um, forward from the author, he talks about having crushes as a, as a kid and everything and how that influenced the story. So this is obviously building from a personal experience and, um, that's kind of how I took it. Like, this is something that maybe to a degree had uh, its beginning in real life and just imagination took over, but at its heart, it's a really cute love story and, and a love conquers all kind of the bullies and everything else in the world doesn't matter as long as we have each other type story. just happens to be that every now and then someone has to get their face sewn back on. Um, It's not one of those. I know we said that there's some, like, stomach turning moments in the book but they're few and far between. For the most part it's pretty straightforward like, you know, from the perspective of a you know a boy who finds out that he found the girl of his dreams. Uh Carleton is just a really good writer. His his storytelling is great. Um and and technically just very proficient. He has Fun ideas for stories. The characters are always great. And um, I think this book was just a goddamn home run. So I'm going to give it five stars, buddy.
0: Very nice. It was enjoyable. And man, I got to tell you, I loved it. it, You you couldn't do this in 300 pages, right? I think that that length was just just right for for what it was. So
1: yeah, very well done. Good on him for having the presence of mind to know that. Some people think that a novel has to fit a specific, you know, you know mold or whatever and um like i mentioned before bible camp bloodbath or whatever that was called like that original book was maybe 60 to 80 pages and it was the perfect size for that story and then he just built it out into something a little bit bigger and deeper but like yeah this is the right this is the right length for this book
0: yeah and i'd like to um i'd like to thank rose o'keefe for getting this over to us on on you know on, on a pretty tight time schedule so that uh, that we could read it and review it so thanks rose <laughs>
1: I was really badgering her and I felt bad, um, but I just wouldn't, I wanted to get this done and um, I didn't want to have to not read it because of um, scheduling and stuff. So I just beat her up until she gave in and sent it over. So uh, sometimes that's how it works. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for dealing with my shit Rose.
0: <laughs> the life of a book reviewing podcaster.
1: I know if I'm not getting beat up, I'm beating someone up. It's all over the place. Sometimes I'm like, you have to suck my wigglies. Oh,
0: God. I don't... I apologize to the listeners for having to hear that. Good Lord. It's from the book. It's Wobblies, and nobody wants to give it in terms of whatever your fucking wigglies or whatever you've got going on, for God's sake.
1: Oh, Oh, Wobblies. I forgot it was Wobblies. I'm sorry. I should have written down Wobblies.
0: I'm usually the one that requires the editing and the censorship, but thanks for, thanks for taking the mantle um, over this week.
1: Dude, I wasn't even going to go into detail about that interaction in the book, so you're the one that opened that door. All right, all right.
0: Speaking of open doors, um, what else do we have going on this week? It's been kind of a, kind of a quiet week for the podcast, not a, lot of, uh, not a lot of action.
1: Not, I mean, there are things that have like kind of floated, float, floated, floated? There have been things that would float past my, ah, fuck it, things have gotten on my radar a little bit, but in kind of a vague way where I'm like, oh, yeah, some people got nominated for something, but I don't really remember what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mostly because the first episode of season three of Penny Dreadful went up over the last weekend.
0: It did, and um, I, you know I haven't heard much about it except what you told me before the episode. I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet, but... Uh... I'm looking forward to is there anything you'd like to let maybe listeners know about Penny Dreadful or the new season without being
1: too um revealing? Uh, it makes some serious promises for the episode or for the season and I'm really interested to see where it goes. And um one of the most interesting things at the end of season 2, you've at least seen season 2, right? I have seen all of season 2, yes. So one of the interesting things in the, and toward the end of that season was the whole Lily and Dorian becoming these weird, like sociopathic killer people. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not even in the first episode at all. That's not cool. No, it's cool because there's so much stuff going on otherwise. Well, the reason I say it's not
0: cool, I was just saying to somebody, and and I know, I know Game of Thrones, right? I know you feel about it, but I did really appreciate that when Game of Thrones came back in their first episode, they really touched on almost all of it. That's a huge cast of characters. They did pretty much with one exception catch you up on what was going on with everybody, which was nice after you know a hiatus of nine months or, or whatever it is in between seasons. So,
1: yeah,
0: I kind of don't like when shows don't you know. No,
1: well, they don't touch on those two at all, but they do introduce several new characters and tease some some characters, which is awesome.
0: And in a show like that, for those who aren't familiar, it's a it's kind of a monster mashup. Um, it's it's a lot of Actual fictional monsters yeah. if that makes any sense, <laughs> monsters or characters that you're familiar with from fiction uh, mixed in with with ones they made up for the show. So when they tease new characters on that show, that could be like it could be Godzilla for all we fucking know. For all I know, like I wouldn't be surprised if they start talking about the giant lizard in you know Japan or whatever. So interesting to see what they come up with uh, this season on Penny Dreadful.
1: I'm just interested because. It takes place uh, primarily in Victorian London, but um, there's, um, Ethan gets sent back to, he gets extradited to the United States, so uh, at least part of the season's going to take p- place in, in the United States. And I don't know, I'm trying to think if there's anything in the U.S. that's like a, a, a classic monster book you know kind of thing that could get integrated into it or if they're just going to bring everything back to London and throw stuff in but I was trying to think of american like the victorian era american like horror stuff and I couldn't think of anything so we'll see we have no classic monsters yeah we've just got like, fucking terrible yeah real monsters <laughs> yeah yeah oh i mean like
0: all right so that again you know we talked about this recently like what we grew up on like we have jason yeah And Michael Myers, but that would be like 1980, you know, not... Not 1880? Not 1880, so yeah, it'll be interesting to to see what they do with with that storyline. I'm surprised they haven't wound up in the middle of the desert, because I thought that was coming from season one. Like mummies and the desert and stuff.
1: Uh Oh, see, and I was thinking like the 1880s, 90s that time. I mean, that's like Billy the Kid and Wild Bill and, you know, like all the... Like the really big, like Jesse James, like gunslinger kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see if that gets thrown in there at all. I doubt it.
0: Yeah. Well, what were they doing? Do you know what the show run is this time? Is it 10 episodes? Mm, it's either eight or nine. Yeah. See, it's not a lot of time. No. For big stories. So, but yeah, I know that's hardly book related, but definitely something you and I are on the same page about. I love that show and uh, definitely yeah. will get caught up this week.
1: Yep, there's the new episode drops tonight as we record. So I will be getting on that once we end this. It's another holiday today, by the way. Happy Mother's Day! Yeah, Happy Love Mother's you. Day. Um, to word to your mother.
0: Yeah, that was that was probably the, my favorite thing I saw on on the social medias today was Vanilla Ice. <laughs> the word to your mother.
1: <laughs> that was good. Thanks, because I put up a mother related thing and. That's not Yeah, your favorite, yours think. was not my favorite, thank you. <laughs> <The sighs> you like that picture of me though, right? No, I did. No. There was a picture of the cutest little picture of what, like a three-year-old Rob? Something like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, with his mama. So that was uh that was pretty cool to to see today. Um but yeah, in true true tradition for the show, if it's a holiday, we're gonna be recording because that's how we spend our holidays. So
1: That's right. Uh, it's very likely Memorial Day weekend we will be doing this too. We will be, I'm sure, on that Monday, no less. Yep. So um, I don't think we really have much anything else I think we'll give listeners a short episode this time short being 50 minutes instead of 58 minutes yeah
0: exactly so um we do know what's up next um we are because we were not on the list to receive um, copies for us to take um, pictures you know next to our faces with copies of mongrels from Stephen Graham Jones but we love him no less and his book will be reviewed here um roughly a week from now.
1: Yeah, provided. Oh, here's something that's been in the news. This is one of those teases. Mount St. Helens is acting up. Who is that? Who? <laughs> I, I don't. I'm sorry. You were at least. You were probably more aware of that in the in 1980 going off than I was. I was yes, two years yes, old. Yes, I was. So maybe. I mean, if there's a massive volcanic eruption, maybe will. Maybe it'll get. Maybe mongrels will get overshadowed a little bit. But I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, I doubt
0: it's going to happen too.
1: But um, I'm so looking forward to. I've been looking forward to this book forever, literally forever since before.
0: I yeah. Even knew and this is kind of in my wheelhouse. I like me my you know my werewolves and vampires and stuff. So this should be uh, this should be good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. We are going to wait until Monday to to purchase this um, from the internets, or I'm sorry, Tuesday. You said right Tuesday.
1: Yeah, it drops Tuesday.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we'll be on time with another episode. Uh, Stephen Graham Jones, as in my experience, always reads very quickly, so I don't think there's going to be any kind of hold up due to us getting a late copy. You know, kind of late for our schedule.
1: Um, I will say, not to put any carts before any horses, but um, I know this is horror just got done with a interview with Stephen Graham Jones, and I think it was about mongrels. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that in that interview. He reveals how long it's going to be before we get his ten-minute video about the history of werewolves, because he's been—I've been begging him for that for like literally years now, since his ten minutes on on zombies, which is just amazing. Might not be a video. Might be on that episode of, uh, of This Is Horror. I'll take it.
0: I will take it, sir. Cool. All well, right. until then. Um, go listen to This Is Horror and see what Stephen has to say about his book. Come back next week and hear what we have to say about it. Um, thanks for tuning in again. I'm Livia Stedden.
1: No, i Olson. Keep reading.